On today's episode of the Agency X podcast, I interviewed Matt Hayes. Matt is the co-founder of The Fascination, a direct-to-consumer brand marketplace featuring over 150 of the top online brands in the space. Before co-founding The Fascination, he was one of the founders of Lisa, the direct-to-consumer mattress brand, which he helped scale to 125 million in third-year sales. Matt is also an active angel investor and advises brands and founders on how to quickly and profitably scale their online commerce ventures. I've been following Matt's career from his days at Lisa to starting the fascination. Our paths have crossed a few times, and we are both investors in Grin, the leading platform for influencer marketing. Uh, That's why I felt it would be great to have Matt as a guest on the podcast. Some of the topics we covered include Matt's D2C pass, starting and scaling Lisa, founding the fascination, and his take on the future of D2C and e-commerce. Really hope you enjoy this episode. This episode is sponsored by Gorgeous. Gorgeous is the number one e-commerce help desk that lets you manage and respond to messages from your site, social, email, and SMS all in one platform. They have built-in automations to handle common queries like order tracking and save your team time and money. Get a free month by clicking the link in the description and elevate your customer experience today. You're listening to the Agency X Podcast. I'm your host, John Sertakowski, founder and CEO at Avex, a New York City-based e-commerce agency for high-growth D2C brands. As always, I'm joined by our e-commerce strategist, David Anzalone. Our goal is to provide some insight into e-commerce, technology, design, and everything in between. Let us know what you think of today's episode and make sure to visit our website, avexdesigns.com. How's it going, man? Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so before we get into this, um, you know, I'd love for you to give a little, a little intro about yourself, what you do, and uh, just so everyone knows who you are. Yeah, my name is Matt Hayes. Um, Founded Lisa, the mattress company, back in 2014. Uh, Ran marketing and e-commerce there for several years. Uh, Left the business around at the end of 2019, actually. And I partnered up with David Wolf, who was Lisa's CEO. And um, so we started doing things in the D2C space. We set up sort of our umbrella company called New Economy Brands. And, you know, we started going down the path of ideas around, you know, what are we really going to do next? And ended up launching a business called The Fascination, which is sort of a multi-brand online marketplace that just went live at the end of 2019. So, so that's what we're doing now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I definitely want to get into the fascination and what you guys are doing there. Um, I have a little knowledge of that before it launched, which is, which is cool. Uh, it was great to see that go up and all the success so far. Um, before we get into that, I'd love to kind of just get your feedback as, you know, what has changed, especially in D2C in e-commerce since launching Lisa uh, back in 2014, 2015. Um, I know it's kind of been a drastic shift, especially over the last year or two. Um, yeah. But, you know, what have what have you seen change in that space uh, since launching? I mean, in the mattress space specifically, it exploded. I mean, after we launched, I heard something like 150 or 180 new entrants, D2C brands came up and popped up. So, you know, that just within mattresses that was happening. And I think that that storyline pretty much permeated every category across D2C. So, you know, the explosion of the landscape, I think was, was one of the biggest thing that's happened since then. Um, every like micro category at this point has been sort of tackled, you know, you've got cookware brands and <laughs> brands disrupting the ramen industry. It's like, um, there's a little something for everyone there, but it's, 
I think, you know, with all of that fragmentation and sort of noise uh, with these new entrants, it's gotten significantly harder as a consumer to sort of call through all that stuff and say, you know, which, which brands do I like? Which products should I buy? If there's 20 electric toothbrushes that all look and sound the same, you know, which one is actually sort of the right, the right one for me. And so, you know, that, that consumer problem that we saw sort of emerging, we saw it firsthand in mattresses and then more broadly, just in the space as we watched it. Um, that was one of the, you know, the core theses around launching Lisa when we did, or sorry, launching the fascination when we did. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, mattresses have definitely exploded since then. Um, we have experience with, uh, SIM inserted bedding. They've like took multiple brands direct to consumer, which, you know, yeah. uh, was much later than what a lot of you know, the brands like Lisa have done. Um, so I think there you guys were like, you know, pioneers in that space and really, um, you know, created a D2C market for mattresses because no one really thought about buying a mattress direct consumer. It's like, you have to go to mattress firm or you have to go to sleepies or wherever. Um, and from my experience doing research in the mattress world, it's just like the, the retail mattress industry is so cutthroat. I learned so much yeah. about how they don't have the same inventory in two of the same stores and it's like slight differences. So you can't compare pricing. It's a very, very weird industry. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's definitely been an explosion about the, like the noise and like niching down. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many different types of brands out there. Um, you know, what are some of your favorite brands in that D to C space? Cause like brands from like house and, you know, um, all, all of these brands that are listed on the fascination who are extremely niche with, when it comes to like, you know, I never thought, thought of like brands coming out with aperitifs and now there's like multiple yeah. aperitif brands or I never thought yeah. of like, you know, shaving cream brands. It was always like Gillette or like a couple here. Now you have like <laughs> all these other ones that are like extremely focused and they're only selling one or two types of things. Uh, what are some that you feel stand out that you really like? I think you nailed House. I think House is a great brand. They've got a great brand story and Helena's a tremendous founder. You know, I think story is becoming huge for a lot of these younger, more recent founders. And, um, you know, the, the organic origin story, which we tell on the fascination, really shines through. So, yeah, brands like House, Brightland is another one. They make you know, organic olive oil blends mm -hmm. on their farm in California. Um, a brand called cuts that I wear and love all the time. Oh, yeah, cuts cuts clothing. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing, amazing menswear brand. Um, Caraway, Caraway home is an amazing cookware brand. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they literally went after pots and pans and they nailed it in terms of the product experience. So, and then there's all these, like there's these categories, these trends of categories that are being disrupted. Like, you know, we just put a piece out maybe a week ago called eat like a kid again. And it's really like nine or 10 brands that are going yeah. after your, your childhood favorites. And they're basically reinventing things like pizza rolls and, you know, uh, frosted flakes. So healthier versions, yeah, yeah, healthier versions for like adults who grew up with that, but don't want to eat sugary cereal. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Really good products coming out there. Exactly. Yeah. And there, and a few of them are like, what I also see, is that it's almost like backwards where a lot of brands were starting with retail and growing there and then like looping in D to C e-commerce as a channel. 
where I'm starting to see, like I went to my supermarket and I see recess on the shelves. I see nugs like the, the vegan chicken nuggets. Um, I'll see all these brands and I'm, I'm also assuming house would eventually end up in bars and in liquor stores too. And it's like, instead of going, you know, retail and then putting things online so people could also buy, it's like completely shifted where now like, yeah, D to C is great and they're doing well there, but they also now want to break into retail too. Um, which is kind of like a huge shift that's happened over the past like five years and it just like reversed itself. Um, but yeah, some really amazing brands and it's important about the story. Uh, that's something that I I feel like a lot of brands try to force too. they try to force a story. And like, I like you just said, it's like, has to be an organic story. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, some brands like they'll come to us and say, well, you know, they want to tell a story. They want to tell a story, but they're really just trying to mimic some of these brands that have organic stories. Uh, but yeah. some of these brands that you mentioned that really have some, re- whether it's sustainability or history or things like that. Um, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the fascination, which we touched on, but I'd love to be able to talk about it. Um, it's a project you started working on last year. Um, I, I think last year, maybe it was in the works longer than that. You could tell me, but, I feel like it, it came to life really quickly. Um, yeah. I, I learned about it or, or like last year sometime. It was about probably about a year ago from now-ish. Um, and now it's like all over the place. I see it so much and people talking about it. Um, tell me a little bit about launching it, why you started, where, where the idea came from. I uh, would love to learn a bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, so the fascination, just for those who haven't heard of it, it it's basically an online marketplace where you can go and discover new brands, read product reviews and sort of do the research on products and then shop all in one place. So it's sort of this one-stop shop destination of our curated lens on the direct consumer space across all categories. So whether you're in research mode or shopping mode, you know, you can find content or commerce at the fascination uh, that'll appeal to you. And so, you know, why did we do it? As I alluded to earlier, like, you know, we started to see this wave and this trend happening in the, in the space and D2C where there was just so much hitting your Instagram feed every single day as you scroll through it. You know, if, if you go to one site with, with some interest, all of a sudden you get, you know, interest-based targeting from 10 others, right? And now you've got this whole decision matrix to go through. And so that was happening across every single category, it still is. Um, but at the fascination, you know, we, because of our fortunate position and being, you know, very early in Lisa and having seen the space grow, we wanted to, to bring like a curated lens to consumers that might not have that ability. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we get to see all of these brands, we get to try them in person. Some of them make the cut, some of them actually don't make the cut. Um, but every brand that goes on the fascination, you know, we look at two things, the science and the soul of the brand. The science is really sort of the evidentiary support, the, the qualities, the features and benefits of the products themselves. And the soul is really, you know, it's the origin story, the mission, what they stand for as a brand, and they've got to have both in spades. And so, you know, we, uh, I was talking to Maggie on my team today. She said something like 600 brands have applied since we launched. You know, we, we just launched like five months ago. And so there's only 150 listed on the fascination. So the demand is really outstripping the supply. And so that just shows you like we're really being thoughtful about 
curation and also we're a bit overwhelmed. But, you know, beyond that, I think for consumers, we, we want it to be a place where when they think of the fascination, they think, okay, I'm ready to buy something. I'm going to go there and find something that I, that I really love. And I, I trust it'll be a good product or a good brand. Yeah. The, 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 I was going to say, that's great that you can find and explore products that you may not be able to have access to. Cause like you said earlier with ads and especially with getting harder to, um, with Facebook and Apple's privacy and cookies and all of these things, it's, it's harder for DTC brands to reach con consumers. And I think having that place of like trusted information and the fact that it's curated and it's not just a gigantic list of brands that, you know, may or may not be good. It's a way to learn more about the brands and almost from like, like an outside perspective, uh, someone yeah. who's kind of vetted these bands for this brand. So that's super interesting. Go on. What were you saying? No, to that point, exactly. I think, you know, for the brands, you know, as operators ourselves, we really you know, empathize with their plight. You know, they're trying mm -hmm. to, to get their name out. They're trying to be discovered, you know, and at Lisa and in the mattress space specifically, third party product validation is huge. I mean, it's everything. People talking and endorsing your product in a really organic way. And so we knew that and we wanted to do that, but we're only going to do it for brands that we ultimately believe in. And so when you read a product review on the fascination, it's ultimately going to be um, fair and objective, but it's, it's a product that we ultimately endorse because we don't put products on that we don't endorse. And so <clears throat> for brands, it's, it's that third party validation, it's discovery and it's bringing new consumers into their pipeline that they may not have been able to reach otherwise. Very cool. Are you using any like for the reviews? Are they like manually reviewed? Is there any kind of like technology or platform that you're using? Um, I know it's built on, I believe, WordPress, but is there anything like unique about the technology approach? Uh, it's, it's less about the technology and more about the way that we're doing it. So mm. we're um, all the products that we get in, we actually send to a single couple people, our testing team. They test the products you know, put them through sort of the rigorous quality standards, um, depending on what it is. Uh, and they give their qualitative thoughts about it. And then, you know, that's completely separate from any sort of commercial business decisions that we make at the fascination, right? So the product review that ultimately hits the site is something that's objective. It's not influenced by any of our sort of business team. <clears throat> and um, mm -hmm. we like to keep it that way. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, the fact that you have, instead of just people putting up opinions and sometimes like reviews, even I've seen some of these reviews on like, especially mattress websites or whatever, sometimes they're complaining about something that's not even related to the product. Um, and it, it makes it, it, and it kind of brings it down. Um, or sometimes they're paid to make reviews and they're paid to make them sound good. Um, so that's a, yeah. a, it's great that there it's more of a, you know, real opinion, um, and that it's a bit more intentional than just randomly throwing a whole bunch of reviews on there. So, um, yeah. you know, that's great. Um, so as far as, you know, when it comes to the fascination, I know, you, you know, you're trying to help these DC brands kind of break through that noise. 
what changes do you see coming in in D2C or e-commerce in the in the you know next one to three years? And and I guess how is is the fascination part of that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think in the next three years, we're sort of going to hit a bit of a critical mass on you know the emerging disruptor brands and and what they'll do. <clears throat> so I see almost like a consolidation happening in a few different ways, whether that's, you know, a big house of brand style roll up like resident home is, is obviously building or marketplaces like the fascination where you can get a curated view of, you know, hundreds of brands in a single place. And I also see like more acquisitions starting to happen, you know, by like Roe just did it with Modern Fertility. I think you're going to see more of that in the next one to three years. <clears throat> and then sort of on the trend side of it, I think like, you know, text-based shopping is really interesting. I think live shopping, some of these technologies that are really nascent right now are going to become like pretty mainstream. And so, you know, the idea of going to a website and clicking add to cart is, it's pretty standard to us at this point. And I think, a lot of these mobile first technologies are really going to come to the forefront. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm social commerce and like live shopping and things like that have been a hot topic and kind of interesting to me lately where, and of course it depends on the demographic and who's using it, but super interesting. I think that term like, you know, like live or, or social commerce, it gets confused. It's not just like pushing product on, social channels. It's about how can you get a whole community involved? And um, I think that's going to look really different. I, I do agree that there's going to be um, a shift with the, the technology that supports it and how people are shopping. Because mm -hmm. when it comes to like influencers, um, I think influencer marketing is of course still really big and some, some brands definitely need it. And it, I think it'll always be there, but it's going to keep changing. Um, and I think we're going to see more like so, true social commerce with people interacting a lot more um, and kind of working it into, you know, there's going to be little updates here and there for like, you know, checking out on Facebook or uh, checking out on Instagram, which you kind of have already. Um, but it, it's hard for brands to really build brand presence um, and really speak to, you know, without, you know, Instagram, it's mostly just your imagery and things like that, but, um, yeah. kind of like talking to the customer. So I think the websites are always going to kind of be there, but I think it's going to be just one other channel. And then there's going to be multiple channels that people are going to be selling through as, as time goes on. Yeah. Um, as far as the fascination goes and, you know, what you're planning to do in the future, um, I know that you just received a your first seed uh, round of funding. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, we just closed on a million dollars in seed, Amazing. which will which will be a nice little launch pad for the next phase of what we want to do. And um, yeah, we got some great investors from the community involved. People like Cat Cole, uh, Taylor Holiday, uh, and then tons of e-commerce operators and executives. So. Awesome. We've got a good a good suite of people behind us. That's great. That's great. Um, you know, what what short term I know or long term? What are your, what are kind of some of your plans? You know, of course, without you know giving away too much, but you know, where are you looking to go with this? Like, what are what are you know some of the new things that may be coming out? Yeah, I mean, in the most immediate term, we're going to keep building out the team. I think the team is you know we're we're 
running uh, full speed right now, and we got some <clears throat> some gaps to fill, so we're going to fill those. And then the big focus is really building out our multi-brand online marketplace. So that'll be really the ability to buy multiple brands, products in a single cart in a single transaction. Mm. Oh, wow. And that's something that, <clears throat> that's something that's happening in the background right now. We hope to have it live this summer. So, and then once we do that, it's really off to the races in terms of enhancements and functionality yeah. and you know, all sorts of fun stuff we can do around acquisition. That is really awesome too, because I mean, malls are kind of dead in a way, but it, to me, <laughs> yeah. it kind of reminds me of like, almost like a mall for D to C because they don't have that, you know, they, the D to C brands mm -hmm. can't get that large, you know, that space or have that footprint as much. And, you know, um, I think having a space where you could kind of shop all of these different brands and check out, um, smart business move. Absolutely. And, you know, D to C brands, I can imagine, you know, wanting to have more exposure and, and, and it just provides a really good, you know, customer experience as well. Whereas yeah. they know they're kind of in good hands rather than just selling through Amazon or selling at Target or something like that, where it might right. be a, a, a bad customer experience. It seems like, you know, it's this company is led by people who started D2C brands who care about customer experience. Um, and that's something that even looking at the website, it seems like you have top of mind is like kind of putting the customer first. You know, of course, you know, you want to help these DTC brands and that's like who you're, where you're getting content from and product from, but it's really about putting that customer first and seeing how you could provide a really great experience there that, you know, DTC brands can trust and value rather than like, you know, just going through a channel because that's where they're selling from. So you know, yeah. that's really, that's really great. And it sounds like you got some good plans for the future. Um, as far as any advice that you could give to brands, considering that, you know, you've started brands, you've, you, you've started companies and scaled them. And, and now you're like overseeing this or start founded this company that is really focused on DTC brands, any advice that you could give to them, um, what they should be focusing on now, things that they could do. Um, so they're set up for success. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're a new founder entering the space like today, I think that you really have to lean in heavily into your brand story and to creative and make both those things a differentiator from day one. I, I mean, you would sympathize with this more than anyone, but I think design is really coming out to be like the differentiator for a D2C brand. It, mm. it just permeates literally everything from the product to the experience to like the first greeting when you hit the site it just gives you the feeling that you want to buy or you want to engage with this product. And so, mm -hmm. um, and, and now, you know, with Facebook evolving to how it's evolved and with iOS 14, I think the, the importance of having a creative workflow and like really testing your creatives and paid social, that's going to be super important. So something that, you know, honestly, that, that very conversation was happening in, in Nick Sharma's, Slack group yesterday and people think about it daily. We think about it all the time. It's like, <clears throat> how do we have a constant output of really great creative to test? So that should be top of mind. And then like mm. <clears throat> on the other side of the coin, like if, if, if that's really humming in, in terms of acquisition and what you're doing there, I think that on the product side, you really need to focus on, squeezing efficiencies out of things like average order value, cross sells, mm -hmm. testing prices, 
testing post-purchase, you know, as much efficiency as you can gain there will give you that much more leeway to go out and acquire customers profitably. And so mm. really pushing for profitable growth, not 2015, 16, 17 growth where you're just going nuts on the CPAs. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're really talking my language there too, because I have, so like our agency, we've never really did uh, ads. We do like email marketing and, and things like that, but we don't touch like Facebook, Instagram ads. I never yeah. understood it. And honestly, I glaze over when I yeah. start hearing about like cost of acquisition and like marketing. Of course we have, we engage with marketing agencies and keep it, you know, we know it's important, but I've never really been that interested in it. And I'm always yeah. interested in always been pushing brands to talk about brand story, brand presence, design is important. You know, it's, it's, and, and content being able to test creative test content and, and just be able to pu pump out as much content as possible and see what works and see what's going to align with your brand. Um, because yeah. people want to know, why your why like why is this brand created they want to buy into that you know of course that you have to have a great product and you need to um you know follow up with like customer experience and things like that but you know a lot of people buy products because they want to kind of be included in that lifestyle it, it matches their lifestyle aligns with other brands that they like uh, and that's all design that's content copywriting so i've been stressing that for a long time um yeah. and that also to me design and focusing on like data are extremely important. So one thing that, that we've been talking a lot more about and really pushing is like making more decisions that are backed by data, thinking about average order value and using tools like Nasto or Dynamic Yield to personalize experiences, to gather as much info as possible so that you can A-B, the A, B test the heck out of everything, whether it's yeah. product racks, whether it's, you know, different call to actions or different content and personalize the experience, both in email. And of course, this needs to bleed into marketing too. You know, that has to happen in marketing. Just from my point of view, I'm just really not interested in it because it's <laughs> super expensive, but you're hundred percent right. It's not 2015 yeah. anymore. You can't just dump tons of ad dollars into something and right. like, you know, treat it like a drop shipping business. You know, there has to be a story there and you have to follow up with it. Um, and also the influencer marketing too, I see being, I wasn't a big believer in it a few years ago. Like I knew it worked, but I was like, I just didn't like it, but <laughs> it's keep going, it's going up and up and it's still working. Yeah. And especially with brands that don't have as much of a platform to start, you know, they could leverage someone else's platform and someone else's community. Um, and it's great for a creative. I mean, it's, yeah, it's an organic, authentic story. It, it's great for getting rich, creative. If you tap into the right audiences, it's evergreen. So it lives potentially forever if you get mm -hmm. blog posts out of it. I mean, yeah, we, we're still really bullish on influencer. We've actually invested in Grin, which is an influencer platform. And um, they're crushing it. Yeah, you know, I'm, so. I'm actually, uh, I came in on that round with you too. I'm uh, right. in Grin as well. So when I saw that come up and, and like, you know, looking into that platform, I was like, wow, these guys, it's like, it's, it's now it's like just another, it's another channel. It's another way where yeah. it, a few years ago that everyone was just throwing money at every influencer. Now it's a lot more intentional, but like we're looking at analytics, you know, these are, you know, uh, you could go with micro influencers or you could go with larger influencers. 
I think as long as there's a strategy and approach and you're not just like throwing money at someone who has, you know, high followers, but they have better engagement, you could get extremely focused on your niche, targeting people that, you know, are like whether you're selling like supplements or if you're selling some kind of, you know, for CBD or, you know, clothing or food, like really going after a handful of micro influencers could really help you build that community. So, um, and you're right, it gets great content out of it that you could reuse. And it's like, you're kind of building equity with your content rather than just paying for an ad and that's it, right? You're, yeah. you have something that's out there. And once you pay for it once, you don't really have to do it again and you could keep making use of it. So, um, I was, I would say that I was a little bit bearish on influencer marketing a couple of years ago <laughs> and, and I changed my mind. That's good. <laughs> um great so I, I mean i think we covered anything anything you wanted to touch on or wrap up on um but um i, I learned a lot about fascination and uh hopefully our our audience did as well yeah absolutely yeah thanks for having me on this is fun yeah hopefully we could do it again uh and maybe in a year when uh, you guys get that 20 million round Crossed <laughs> <laughs> on that yeah right all right man it was great having you uh i'll See you around. Thanks a lot. Thanks, John. All right, man. Take care. Take care.